Welcome to ConX, a global leadership platform for construction executives. Today I have Wes Simpson uh, on the line. How you doing, Wes? Doing good, Scott. How are you, man? Thanks for having me. I'm doing great. Uh, you're with Green Mechanical. So tell us a little bit about you personally, where you grew up, kind of how you ended up to where you are now. And then, and then the second part of that, talk about Green Mechanical a little bit. Yeah, so uh, I was born and raised down in, in Glasgow, Kentucky, uh, down in South Central Kentucky, and um, you know went to Glasgow High School and, and then graduated there, went down the road to Western Kentucky University, not really having a, an idea about what I wanted to do. Um, I grew up raising tobacco um, with my family, and, and um, I had a, had a Philip Morris scholarship to, to attend there at Western Kentucky. And so uh, kind of went in with just that background and then had worked a couple of summers in, in the construction industry. And uh, so went there and after about a semester or two, um, after speaking with some folks, started leaning toward, towards the construction management program at WKU and uh, ended up finding my, my footing there and, and worked at Green Mechanical actually during my college years during breaks there out on job sites and uh, had aspirations that I was going to build big buildings and do big things in big cities and uh, so when I when I graduated uh, from WKU the economy was uh, was in complete free fall in the tank it was uh, it was very interesting because the semester before all of the CM graduates uh, ended up with jobs pretty quickly and uh and moved on and and uh our our class that graduated in the spring of 09 was not so lucky <laughs> so yeah had a had a job offer with a general contractor uh that they ended up pulling just because of the the economic circumstances uh 09 was when when the the great recession kind of really hit the construction industry hard and so ended up coming back here to Green Mechanical. They offered me a position in the estimating department and took that thought, maybe I'll bide my time here for a couple of years till things straighten up and then uh, go somewhere else. And obviously, uh, here I am. I'm still, well, hey, still God's plan may be ours, but it's still a plan, you know? So Exactly. So, uh, you know, ended up. Here I am uh, raising raising a family with my wife in in Glasgow still, and uh, and having having a good time here at Green Mechanical, and would, wouldn't trade it for the world. So that's that's kind of my my background and how I ended up where I am now. I started out in the estimating department, uh, stayed in there for I think about seven seven and a half years, growing into that, and then moved into um, an operations position and then kind of slowly worked my way up to um, where last year, January of 2021, uh, became president and CEO here. And as far as Green Mechanical, we've been in business now for almost 40 years. It'll be 40 years next year. Wow. And uh, started in 1983 by Ray Green. And then Don Baker uh, bought the company in the year 2000. And uh, we have we, we've got Mike Wagner and Masood Karaman that bought in as partners um, about 10 years after that. And then and then I came in as a partner uh, last year. And uh, our focus is on uh, HVAC, plumbing, uh, mechanical, piping, 
anything really on the mechanical side of things, uh, industrial, commercial, institutional, and uh, you know that's 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 where we that's where we live, and uh, we're very flexible between different markets. Uh, we love doing industrial work, and we're a design-build contractor. We've got our own in-house engineering department, um, but you know the company has really come a long way and has been able to to ride through the highs and the lows. Um, you know, when Ray Green started the company uh, in the in the 80s, just working out of off of his kitchen table, uh, he and his wife B. That uh, it was a it was a small humble beginning, and and then in the 90s, uh, he opened our our Lexington office, and then you know Don Baker bought in, uh, grew the company, and then the recession came around. And uh, kind of, that hurt everybody. I don't think there was anybody at that point in the construction industry that wasn't severely affected. But uh, we we had a couple of opportunities that we sunk our teeth into, and were able to power through and and come out stronger. And actually, out of that recession, you know, grew uh, grew our company to to doing uh, around forty five million dollars. And uh, you know, we we just really kind of eclipsed where we were. Uh, coming out of that that tough time, and so you know now we've expanded operations into uh, pretty much every state in the South except Georgia, and uh, we just we just got licensed to work in Florida. We've just opened up a Charlotte, North Carolina office. Uh, we've been working down there for about a decade now, and so um, we've got we've got growth aspirations, but um, we're trying to make those smart and steady uh, growth because right now there's there's a lot of work out there and it's easy to sign it up but it's not it's not easy to to get it done so we're uh, we're moving in the right direction slowly and surely well you know you you kind of the the and and by the way thank you that was a good that was a great introduction i knew uh, i've known a lot about green over the years but um it's kind of been second hand you know uh, different, yeah. you know, uh, people I know who work there or whatever, and I never kind of knew the history. So that's, that's great. Um, and, uh, man, why does it seem like everybody in construction in Kentucky comes from Glasgow? You know, I mean, what, what's it's, wrong uh, with that? You know, <laughs> there's something in the water down here. I don't know what it is, but there's this, there's this like Glasgow mafia all across the state I where know. you find people in construction. They're like, yeah, I started in Glasgow. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I funny thing is I was sitting down uh, in uh, in Great Construction's uh, lobby one day, and I picked up the book they had down there, and I read through it, and I couldn't believe like the number of people that I know in construction in this area who were in the book, you know, were part of Gray yeah. at one time or another, and it was it was uh, it was pretty incredible. But uh, all roots lead back to Glasgow, you know. That's Glasgow. right. That's what we at least like to tell ourselves. So. <laughs> <laughs> So tell us a little bit kind of what your plans are. You know, you, you, uh, I think you alluded to the fact that you could grow as much as you want to, but you're also trying to grow smart. So mm -hmm. can you talk about kind of what your, your future plans are relative to that? Yeah. Uh, you know, our, our five year plan right now is to, to get our, our Carolina office um, really off the ground and doing doing the amount of revenue um, that you know our other our other offices are doing we really like that market and we want to focus in on it um, you know south carolina north carolina both being in the charlotte metro area 
you know, we can touch a whole lot of places. We're, we're an hour and a half from Greensboro. We're an hour and a half from Greenville, South Carolina. We're an hour and a half from Columbia, South Carolina. And so we've got a lot of existing relationships with customers as well as subcontractors and vendors and, and uh, other folks in that area. And so, you know, big portion of the five-year plan is to focus in and really capitalize on the opportunities in the Carolinas and and really moving on down the coast as well um, with capitalizing on on sinking into Florida a little bit you know dipping our dipping our toes in the water with work there it's not a familiar market to us mm-hmm. but uh, one of our partners uh, lives in Central Florida now we have customers that have been working in Florida for a long time um, it's not nearly as difficult to uh, talk to folks about uh, going to Florida to to do a project, you know, everybody's got the the. Oh man, I'd love to go to Florida. Uh, and so five years, you know, it's really kind of expanding out uh, slowly into some other markets. We we've got uh, work down in Alabama that that we're excited about. We've got work, uh, a lot of work up north of the Ohio River right now. But really, it's to focus in on that Charlotte area, uh, get it up and running well. Um, continue to expand our design build department. Uh, we've got mm-hmm. three. We have three PEs uh, that are in house uh, in Lexington downtown, and uh, we're looking to expand the number of engineers that we have. Uh, we really enjoy design build projects. They're, they're fast. Uh, they're collaborative. You know, they they provide a lot of value, especially to manufacturing customers that want to get in and and build those projects quickly so they can start selling product as soon as possible. And so we really pride ourselves on not just being able to engineer the systems on a project, but to provide great uh, engineering at a value of not just looking of how can we accomplish the heating and air and the, the, the process piping that a customer needs, but how can we do it in a way that maybe they're not thinking about to save them some money and time. And so um, we want to really focus in on expanding uh, that part of our of our offering and and doing it better. And then technology in our five year plan is we're really trying to tie in uh, systems that that can take data from cradle to grave. Um, you know, there's a lot of of folks out there that are in the BIM world, and and uh, mm-hmm. you know we we've, we've been in the BIM world a long time, and we're really focusing in on being able to take models and and place pricing data uh, that is linked to that model back to our our you know estimating tables and be able to spit out quick changes um, you know in, in a model to to be able to price those out with labor material and everything and and also be able to fabricate off those models you know we we've got a sheet metal shop here in Glasgow we fabricate all of our own ductwork uh, that's rectangular and uh and so what we do is we have these revit models we run them through siskiyou and we can build spools and uh, send those spools over to our fab shop and be able to fabricate off of those and and so we're trying to link it all across the spectrum from pre-construction to project closeout um and so yeah technology everybody is on trying to figure out what's the next big tech thing in construction and so we're right there with them and then uh, you know, further than that, as far as 10 years and beyond, I would love to see us be able to to move our revenue up uh, to grow, you know, 30, 40 percent from where we are now. Um, I think I think we're 
we're eager to do that but like i said we're trying to do it very very slowly very smart because there's there's limited uh trades out there i guess skilled trades people that that uh everybody's kind of fighting over and so we're really building out an internal education program looking at registered apprenticeships working with local technology schools um, here in Barron County. We're working with the Barron County ATC to help them offer a plumbing program mm -hmm. um, and sponsor that program. And so really it's trying to trying to look at look at some markets, capitalize on places we know we can be successful, but then be a part of the solution to building up our future workforce as well. We know that's going to take time. You got a lot of people retiring out of the, the industry right now. They're taking 30, 40 years worth of experience and and uh, hardships where they've learned lessons out with them. And everybody's trying to plug young people in um, and expect the same thing in like five years. And it just doesn't work like that. And so we're trying to build that foundation as, as big and as strong as we can so that 10 years down the road, um, you know, we've got a, we've got a strong stable of, of young folks that can take us into the future. And that that's tough. Everyone's struggling with that, but especially in the industry you guys are involved in, because I hear this all the time, you know, it's, it's probably the industry that's probably most affected. Well, that and steel workers, you know, yeah probably most affected uh by uh by this push you know for in the world of of going to college and i know a lot of people going to college and then go and then go and work in the trades now you know that used to yeah. be nobody used to do that but now that's that's a reality yeah and there's and there's a lot of folks that are going to college for things outside of anything related to construction that are getting out and coming into the industry, we've got an assistant project manager down in South Carolina that uh, graduated from college and and uh, ended up not being able to use his degree in the way that he wanted, but but got a uh, maintenance position uh, on the side and uh, just great personality, great, great personal skill set and organizational skill set that we rolled the dice on and he's fit like a like a hand in a glove. So, it, yeah, it is interesting. And, you know, with your industry, too, it's one of those things that, uh, you know, if you get the right person and they're willing to learn, you know, I'm sure you know that um, yeah. it takes a while. But but uh, you're you know, you hit the nail on the head. I talked to Richard Vincent over at AGC all the time about, you know, this shortage and I'm on their educational committee and they're that it's a it's a big problem, you know. And uh, what do you think about and I'm kind of a little bit off topic here, but I I think it's kind of relevant. What do you think about if if we don't find the people, do you think we're going to start moving to more, you know, prefabrication of different things or or something where it happens more like the car industry went, went to an assembly line kind of idea? And I know that's kind of far reaching for construction. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, I think it depends on what sector that you're in a lot. I mean, and there's a lot of piping contractors and, and sheet metal contractors that have had uh, prefabrication shops for a long time. And, and it, it works well on, on certain projects that are very coordinated. Um, they're not, you know, uh, just kind of run and gun. Everybody's got to be on board. And, and we have a prefabrication shop on our piping side here in Glasgow as well. The only, the only problem is when you get into, custom 
design build fast track projects where you know you're working with a maybe a foreign investment customer um, and they're changing things every single day they're not even sure what they want but they know we need to start building right now uh, then you know you, you can prefab something and then the next day well we need to change this we need to change that and so that that is a a bit of a risk. Uh, we, we try to stick our, our prefab guys on plan spec projects, things where the scope is very defined and changes are not coming in as rapidly. However, um, I do believe that that prefab as a whole, uh, all trades is probably going to increase. Absolutely. And, it's, it, and I think it'll be more on these systems that you're seeing where You've got you've got a mechanical contractor, electrical contractor, a fire protection contractor, and then your your steel guys where they rent out, go in and rent out a warehouse and and rack everything together. You see it a lot in hospitals and, and other facilities mm -hmm. where they're all going in together and prefabbing in the same facility and and of making these rack systems and everybody's putting their pipe and and uh, conduit and everything in these racks and then they're taking these modular units out and installing them in the building i think that's gonna that's gonna rise and then really we're not in the residential side but i definitely see an assembly line type process especially when you think of the housing shortage that's going on in the country right now of you know uh, a lot more modular and prefabricated houses um being done completely in in factories um i don't think you'll see it on commercial because everything's just just so much more fluid but the further we go the more we're going to get to that that space and i think there's a lot of people even looking down the road of uh what's what's 3d printing gonna do uh, uh -huh. to not just structures you know i've seen 3d printed uh, concrete structures and things but is there going to be a place where um you know, you look up and somebody like Charlotte Pipe, uh, you maybe you're not buying all of your pipe and fittings from them anymore. You're buying you're buying their 3D pipe printing printing machine and uh, and their their raw material that goes into that. I don't know. You know, I, I I'm not a tech guy, but I just I know there's people out there working on things like that that are really going to change the way uh, that we do things and really um, reduce the amount of man hours that that are required on site well that's really interesting i get a lot of feedback from people on that and uh, i just recently saw a youtube video one of uh the kids that i i teach capstone over at eku and one of the kids sent me a a video of uh the new mason he put and it was a it was a computer robot and it could lay you lay up two corner leads and it could lay everything between you know yeah and uh it, you know and i just think about that it's probably nowhere near where you need to be in the mechanical industry but but uh but i just i i like to it seems like you guys are always on the edge of technology more than any other trade and uh that could be because every other trade is slow or you guys are that good yeah well um tell us about um any kind of you know, you, you mentioned one here about significant events. What significant event do you think shaped the business model you have today? Oh, man. Um, well, you know, we didn't start doing true design build work until 
the mid 2000s, I think it was, when we brought Masood Karadman on board uh, as as an engineer, and so I, I consider that uh, a significant event where you know we really we dove into the design build market uh, in that that time frame, and and we had customers that were doing a lot of design build work. So it was a risk. It was something that we had not done a whole lot of, but we knew mm -hmm. there was a huge market share out there for for mechanicals that could take care of design. Um, you know, you're taking that off of the general contract so they can turn to you and go, all right, we need you to design this. Give us an idea on how we can accomplish this customer's goals um, for their facility when it comes to heating and air. And so that was that was a big event in the life of our business. And then really the uh, the economy when when everything went south in 08, 09, um, that that was significant for everybody. I think that that shaped uh, uh, when it when it came to technology and getting more efficient. You know, people were letting letting staff go right and left and, and putting people on layoff and trying to figure out how can we how can we survive and get projects done uh, for for less and be more efficient. And, you know, really, I think three things. So those are the first two. And then back mm -hmm. in 2015 and 2016, you know, our, our company had had really grown at that point. The economy was kicking. Everything was good. Uh, but we had grown to a point where uh, what's the what's the best way to put this? You know, we we really needed to to reset the business. Um, mm -hmm. Things had been going good, and a mentor of mine said, uh, "Money hides sin," and uh, not necessarily things that are that are uh, unethical. It just it hides when things are going good. You don't ask the tough questions about is our process good. Um, are we setting up our departments to be able to continue to, to mentor young folks and rise up from within? And so in 2015 and 16, uh, we did kind of this rebirth project uh, with the company. We, we set up uh, an executive council. We, we set up uh, our departments in a, in a way where we didn't have one person kind of overseeing everything out of one office and the buck stopped with that one person. So we, we, we brought some younger folks up, allowed them to be able to, to major in the thing that they're good at and, and for other people to focus on what they were good at, but to, to build a more collaborative spirit between all the departments as well. And so uh, that was a very significant event and set into motion uh, kind of where we're at today. And uh, man, that's a great question. I mean, I could, I could go back probably once a year and find like what was the one that man that that changed the whole year for for better well, or for worse. You know, it's funny how you mentioned about like every company gets to a stage where they have to kind of take a step back, look at themselves, and regroup. I mean, I, you know, I I went from a one man operation to 130 people. And I don't know how many times I've had to do that, take a step back a minute and just say, you know, because you're right, when we're, we, you know, you kind of just throw people at different things and then you finally get to a point where you're saying, well, there's, we've made a mistake here or there's been an issue here or we're losing people because of this. And it's, uh, I think the people who fail are the people who don't do that, you know? So, yeah, uh, it's, a, it's a life cycle. You know, every business has a, has a life cycle and, if you get to the end of that life cycle and you don't 
you don't take that step back and and figure out how am I going to you know what's my five year my ten year plan and and uh, what do we need to do to to adapt then uh, the end of that life cycle yeah it's death <laughs> for the business yeah absolutely absolutely so I got one last question before we go to the speed round and that one last question is probably is is a real personal one uh, but it's very uh, it's a it's a it's a very good question and somebody asked me this one day and I said that's a great question for my podcast. If you could go back and talk to 18-year-old Wes Simpson, what oh. would you tell him? What wisdom would you give him both personally and professionally? Wow. That is a good question. I'd probably I'd probably smack him around a little bit, tell him to, to get <laughs> get serious, you know. Uh <laughs> no. That's that's a great question. You know, I think, um, man, personally, what would I tell? I would I would probably tell him, hey, listen, I I, I know you you uh, you want to get out, you want to get out of here, you want to go uh, go somewhere and do something, but but don't focus on just the the what do I not want to do and where do I not want to be. Um, and you know, everybody, when they get to 18, that age, I think they're like, I just want to get away. And, and, uh, it, it, you don't focus on, okay, well, what, what, what can I do? What are the things, how are the things that I want to do, uh, in my life that will make an impact on other people and on the world itself? And, and, uh, I know that sounds cliche, but I, I think, you know, I was probably one of those, those folks that was just like, get me out of here get me, get me to college. Uh, you know, I just, I want to, I want to get out of, out of my hometown kind of thing and look at me. I ended right back up here. So, uh, I would definitely, I definitely say, Hey, listen, you, you, you're in a good place. And, uh, and so start thinking about, you know, what, what are the things that I want to do as an individual personally, um, that, that can impact other people and not focus just on the getting out. And then professionally, uh, I probably would have told myself, you know, hey, listen, you, let's, uh, you, you've been working in the construction industry. These people that have talked to you, that have, that have told you about the need that's coming up, you know, really listen to them and don't go waste that first year of college trying to figure out what you're going to do. Um, and, uh, you know, I had to play a lot of catch up. I, I took I think my last two years, I took summer and winter courses, and then the last summer, I had to uh, I had to get special approval from the dean over uh, over the college that my program was in because I was taking 19 hours uh, in a in a summer class. I took calculate calculus in six weeks, so I was working oh, construction wow. during the day, um, and then I was leaving mid afternoon with muddy boots and and smelling awful and going and sitting in the back of. Uh, of a calculus classroom in, in Bowling Green, trying to stay awake. And so, uh, because of that, that first year kind of waiting around and, and not listening to, to the folks that had a lot of influence in my life on, Hey, you would be really good at this. This is a strength of yours that I had to kind of make up for it. Um, but you know, I think a lot of it would be just encouraging, uh, myself, everybody frets about what do I want to do with my life? And in America, we've got this thing where it's like, you know, we uh, we wait until we're 18 to decide a lot of times what we want to do. And, and then we, we don't give ourselves the option to adapt or change. And uh, I really I like the model in some of these other countries of, uh, hey, listen, if kid knows they're not going to go to college 14, 15, 16 years old, or even if they do, 
uh, start specializing some of those. Let them get their hands on it and and uh, see what it's like. But man, that's a tricky question. I heard a lot of things. I'd, I'd uh, some of them probably aren't. <laughs> some of them probably aren't for mixed company. I'd have to keep those to myself. I'd tell myself. <laughs> Well, you know, I it, it, I ask this you know I ask this question to a lot of my a lot of the kids who uh, graduate the program at Eastern, and through the years, I, I you know, I guess my the best answer to the question I have is um, focus more on on why you do something, not what you do, you know, and yeah. Um, yeah. just because there's so much in that. I mean, you know, there's so much. It, it, having purpose is, you know, I'm, I'm in a Christian guy, so having purpose is, is extremely important. And that, that's kind of how we were wired, you know, and uh, it doesn't matter necessarily what you do. It's just how you go about doing it and why you do it, you know, and uh, absolutely, um, you know, yeah, but, I'm, um, I'm with you on that. I, uh, so I'm, yeah, I'm a believer, uh, actually have, have done a lot of, a lot of coursework at, uh, Southern Seminary out of Louisville and, uh, you know, really, that's that's something that changed my life. Uh, was really stopping to think about doing and just a life of doing and and uh, you know pushing paper and pencil or whatever it may be and thinking about you know well I'm only here for a limited amount of time and if if I can focus in and hone in on my purpose. Uh, to to glorify God and to serve other people, then whatever I'm doing, I can figure out a way where that fits into that plan. And you know, I think that's a lot of this younger generation is uh, is a generation of seems like less happiness. A lot of you know, grass is greener on the other side. Is uh, there's a lot of a lot of kids and and uh, high schoolers and college students that don't they don't feel like they've got a purpose and everything's just kind of bleak and dark and bland and and man i'm i'm with you scott yeah when you find when you find that purpose whatever it may be uh then it's easy to it's easier to find peace and uh contentment where you're at and figure out how to bloom where you grow i guess is what they say Oh, absolutely, absolutely. We had we me and you, Wes, sound like a whole bunch of old guys sitting around thinking about it, talking about it like the old, the old good old days. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so, but uh, all right, we're going ahead into the speed round. The speed round is sponsored by Ace Field Services. We provide construction superintendents. Now, the this is there's eight categories, Wes, and you want to rate it from one to ten. Ten being the most important, one being the least important, and they could all be ten. So, with that said, and if you want to explain why you give a number, feel free. So we'll start off with scheduling. Oh man, uh, so so ten is going to be the most important. It, it most important. That's correct. Okay. Yeah, scheduling. I'm gonna I'm gonna put it in an eight. Estimating. Oh, yeah, that, that's a that's a nine or a ten for sure. <laughs> Come from an estimator, no less, huh? Absolutely. Everybody <laughs> likes everybody likes to blame estimating. So that's uh, yeah. And the next two categories: one's contract administration, the actual execution of the contract, and the other one is the actual physical contract. Okay. Uh, yeah, contract has got to be a that's that's got to be a nine uh, because there's just 
man, contracts have gotten so complex and everybody, uh, especially with material shortages, is trying to protect themselves. Uh, and, but, but, you know, not everybody can win. So that's contracts have become a lot mm -hmm. harder to, to, uh, really filter through, especially for some of us that are specialty contractors and smaller contractors, you're, 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 you're signing contracts with, uh, with customers that have full legal teams. So, you know, we don't have that. And so, yeah, that's a, that's a solid nine. And then the contract administration, I'll put it a little bit, uh, lower just because if you, if, if you've got a solid contract and a solid understanding of the contract that you're signing, uh, then the administration of that should flow, uh, seamlessly if everybody if everybody's on the same page uh the next one is uh design oh man gosh i feel like i mean I'm, I'm, all these are super important so <laughs> i'm gonna i see one that maybe uh i mean design is gonna be uh an, an eight for me because design is super important um obviously you've got to have strong engineers uh, that, that understand how things go in but uh, you know a lot of times design it, it gets changed it's fluid and and things can be done collaboratively between the field and and the office so I'll, I'll, I'll say that one's an eight. Uh, accounting. Oh man 10 all day long all right gotta get paid. <laughs> <laughs> Better be getting paid, better be approving invoices and staying on top of cost to complete. Yeah, that's a 10 for me, but I mean, you'd expect that, I guess. Uh, <laughs> if I'm the guy that's at the top, I'm like, we better be making money. Absolutely. Business development or better known as selling work. That's the one that I think is, I'll put further down the list, okay? Business development in its traditional sense of like whining and dining uh, and all of uh, all of the things that go along with business development, it is important. And uh, we've got a business development director here here at Green. But as far as importance in the the business itself, I'm going to put that uh, a six on business development because it's important. Those things are important, but you got to let your work speak for itself. You know, if if you wine and dine somebody and you just continue to give them trash work, and and it's just you know you cannot. You can't deliver on the contract and, and the, the project, then business development's not going to do anything. So it really goes hand in hand. So I'm going I'm to rate that one a little lower. And last but not least, leadership. Oh, man, leadership's up there. That's a, that, for me, that's a 10. Um, and I know there's different leadership styles, right? My, my style, I, I like to really put people out um on a limb where where they've got to they got to be able to make decisions and feel like you know okay there's there's a little risk here i don't have somebody looking over my shoulder they're there to help me uh, but they're really you know they're really pushing the envelope wanting me to 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 rise to the occasion um and so that's kind of my leadership style there's other leadership styles that work just as fine but as far as leadership itself I mean, to, to, to succeed, the best leaders that I've served under and worked under have been servant leaders. You know, they're, they're not rolling in to the, to the office three, 
three times a week and staying for half a day and then playing golf all day and going here and going there. I mean, they're in the trenches with you. Um, they're, they're there, they're, they care about you. You know, they show compassion. Um, they, they require a lot and, uh, and, you know, they want to be required of a lot of themselves. And so, you know, that's something that I take seriously is, is, you know, trying to develop leaders in all facets of our company from, from field leaders all the way up to the top. And, uh, and so, yeah, I've had, I've had great leaders that I've served under. And, you know, I expect a lot of our leaders here uh, when when they are dealing with with folks in their department, not to not to micromanage them, uh, not to, you know, just do do all the work themselves, but to really all right, push, push, push our folks and uh, and try to help them become the best that they can be. Um, Think about the things that have gotten you to where you're at. How can you pass those things on? somebody else because we have a lot of folks who are really good um and and sometimes you know they don't want to pass those skills on to other folks and for me you know you can't you can't move up and be a leader until you can mentor uh somebody beneath you because that's that's what shows am i a leader you know i can be a great technician i can be a great pipe fitter or welder i can be a great project manager whatever it may be but um, you know, if I can't, if I can't teach other people, I can't teach those things to others and, and help them grow, then it's going to be hard for me to be a leader. Well, Wes, I want to thank you for being on the podcast today. Um, I, I, I followed green for a long, long time, actually. Uh, I've known several people that work, have worked there. I've known companies you work with and I've been on projects you guys have been on and I've always been very impressed with you guys. Uh, um, I, I, on a personal note and and uh you know i always say the proof is in the pudding and the fact is is that in a very short period of time you guys have come from very humble beginnings to a very significant powerful company um that works with very significant and power powerful general contractors and um i can't you know and i there's a i don't know all the inner workings of the day-to-day this is just an outside perspective looking in, and I know that for you guys, it probably just looks like, hey, we're just doing our job. But uh, uh, I can tell you from the outside looking in, uh, you guys are obviously doing something around. They, they do have something in the water down in Glasgow, but but uh, more <laughs> important, more importantly, there's something that you guys are doing right. And so, like I do, like that uh, I do with all my guests, I always want to give you the last word. Well, I, I really appreciate those. Those are some kind words, um, and I, I really do appreciate them. And, you know, I know the work that, that you guys do and, and uh, you know, all the folks that you work with and the projects you're part of and history there with the, the program at, at Eastern. And um, you talked about Richard Vincent earlier with AGC and, and all the things that, that happened. You know, I feel like we've got a great industry in Kentucky. Um, there's, there's a lot of, of, I guess this tight knit feeling in the construction industry in the state, you know, everybody, everybody seems to know everybody. And, um, you know, there's a lot of camaraderie and even, even folks who compete against one another, I've got competitors that I I consider friends. And, um, and so, no, I, I appreciate all those kind words and I appreciate the opportunity to share about myself and our company and, 
you know, we, we love what we do. It's, it's difficult. It's not for everybody, but, uh, man, the ones, the ones that are here, uh, we love it and, and we love doing it together because, uh, if you can't have fun then then it's, it's really not worth coming in and, and doing it anyway. So we try to make it fun. And, um, uh, and so, yeah, just, just absolutely, uh, fun, a fun time to, to be in the industry right now in a fun slash scary slash, uh, never seen anything like what we're seeing right now. Uh, but you know, we're going to try to do our best to, to, to do the things that we do well and to take care of the people that we have and try to build great customer relationships and great projects. So, man, I, I really appreciate, uh, just being on the, on the podcast, Scott, thanks for having me. Well, with those words, uh, join us next, next week for another Connex podcast. Mm-hmm.